Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the craziest design stories, craziest clients, things that, uh, boy, I wish I'd had video back then. <laughs> I wish I had a camera on my phone. Um, it'd be going viral. But people always ask me, you know, as a designer, what's the craziest thing I've seen or what's the ugliest thing I've ever seen or, um, you know, what's the, the nuttiest story? And it's hard to pick a favorite. So I actually thought of three that jump, you know, the front of my brain. And, um, you know, first you got to remember as a designer, you know, the, the key to being a designer, and I talk about this all the time, if you're a new designer, it's connecting with your client, right? Getting to know them because you're going to be working on their home, which there's nothing more personal than working on someone's house. And so you really have to get to know them, right? You've got to get to know, um, you know, their family and their lifestyle and what makes them tick because I, I want their house to reflect them, not me. So I spend a lot of time getting to know people first. And because of that, sometimes they'll let their guard down and um, they're a little more casual. They start to open up. They start to tell me secrets. You know, it's it's crazy how often you become a best friend to a client and not someone that works for them, right? And so over the years, <laughs> that's put me in quite a few um, awkward situations. And they've all turned out in the end, and I found a solution for all of them, but um, they are kind of cringy. <laughs> so I thought I would share a few of those stories, because if you are going to start being a designer and you do it for as long as I have, you are going to see these things for yourself. And at least this way, you'll you'll know, um, well, gosh, that's not the craziest thing, because look at what happened to Chelsea. Like that, that at least it wasn't that, right? <laughs> the first one... Um, it, it is a client down in uh, California, and it was someone that was through our store, and we had a young designer that had met with this gentleman first, and he wanted to do his bedroom, and she felt a little uncomfortable. So I said, well, I'll go with you, and I'll you know be your bodyguard. And she had, boy, she her instincts were spot on, because <laughs> when we got to her house, we got to his house, and first of all, we're walking through the house, and big, beautiful house, and he wanted to open up the living room, and have these walls that slid back. So it was uh, interior would flow into the outside and he would have these parties and he wanted a bar. And um, so you got the idea that he he's, you know, single and very outgoing and could imagine this house as a place where people would congregate um, with this party lifestyle. So we're sort of getting that feel. And we finally make it up to his bedroom. And on the floor was this weird collection of metal implements. Like there were rings on brackets. There were, it was all this big, heavy, like black iron. It looked like out of medieval times. And they were spread out on his floor and said so they were antiques, they were vintage. And Oh, that's, you know, I collect them. Great. These two, he says, which were like just big metal rings welded onto these brackets were going to go on his headboard. <laughs> hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's single. He wants to entertain. He wants to meet people. And then he's going to have big black shackles on his headboard. And I did say to him, I said, you know, you don't think you're going to scare women away? And he said, if they're in here and they're scared by that, then they're in the wrong house. And I thought, oh, okay. I'm not going to let 
her go to this house by herself anymore. Um, in fact, we couldn't even tell her husband that she was working on it because he would have been so protective. But I went every time. And so that's not even the, the best part. He says to us, this is my vision. I want a coverlet for this bed. He said, I want it to look like I'm a Viking and I've come home from a hunt and I've tossed off my cloak and it's on the bed, just, you know, crumpled up. And it, it's, it's, I want fur and I want, you know, burn marks. I want weaving. I want leather. And I mean, I could kind of picture it. And now looking back, like I would have done it better. <laughs> I could have done it better. But we said, okay, well, you know, I like a challenge. Let's go for it. And I tried to get my seamstress to do it. No way would she touch that. Uh-uh. Especially when I showed her the pelts he brought in. <laughs> he had fur pelts that I have no idea what animal they were from. And I didn't want to know. But there was like coyote or something. And so luckily, I know how to sew. <laughs> I don't know, luckily. Um, and so I set about this. And it took me weeks. I'd overthink it. I, so I, I had fake suede. I had pelts. I had faux fur. I had leather. I even did some funky kind of crinkly, shiny fabric. Um, and I'd bunch it up and sew it and have layers because I'd cut holes through some of them and you could see other fabrics poking from behind. And I just sew through pelts. I mean, I'd never, I'm not a hunter. It's not, it's <laughs> not me. It's one thing to have a fur coat. It's another thing to sew through these animal pelts. And I burned part of it and I spray painted and then I had to line the whole thing and it's irregular. There was not a straight edge on it. And again, some of it was bunched up and some of it was, and looking back, I probably could have done a better job really, but he loved it. We got to charge him like $3,000. And, but once you saw it in his room on the bed with those big shackles on the headboard, <laughs> You know, everyone's house tells a story. It tells their story. And that was apparently his. Um, and again, if I'd had my camera phone, you know, this was way back in the day before we had cameras on our phones, I would have taken pictures. I have no documentation of this thing. I think I have the old sketch that I had, the rendering I had showed him to see if this was what he wanted. And he loved it. He, that was, you know, but that also got me thinking that if you ever want a niche, like a, a, a niche for your, for your design business, why not do that kind of stuff? Why not create dungeon rooms for people? Or, I mean, who knows? But um, he was just thrilled, and he would he would have paid anything for this. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, I just kept sneezing. Like it was, I just sort of felt dirty sewing the thing. Um, but yeah, that was ay, that was that was one. That was the first one. Um, the next craziest. Oh, this client. She was wonderful. It was in Texas. And I had met her. I was actually eight months pregnant. And she came into the store. And I looked like I had swallowed a couple basketballs. I was massive. And she came in in these little tiny skinny jeans and a lace see-through shirt tucked in. And she said, oh, I'm eight months pregnant too. <laughs> I looked at her. I looked at me and thought, yeah, we're not eating the same things. We're not, we're not on the same diet. But um, she was pregnant. So we really bonded over that. And when I finally went to her house, it was gorgeous. I mean, this was three stories. Oh, it was probably maybe 8,000 square feet. It was a big house. And it was, um, 
you know, Southern California or in Texas. So it was very Spanish influence in the tile and satile tile floors. And um, back then everything was big and chunky and, you know, big carved wood. And she had these beautiful ceilings and beams, but I was most impressed that she was young, I think maybe like 28, 27. Her husband was quite a bit older than her. Um, but he pretty much let her do whatever she wanted. Like this was her project. And, uh, so walking through the house, she had a little movie bar area, like a concession stand kind of a thing for her TV room. And she had a popcorn machine and she had um, a fountain drink because she liked Diet Coke (laughs) and straws. And, you know, just, it was like, it was cool. It was like a soda fountain thing. Um, Each house had, or each, each, each room in her house had, you know, hand painted vessel sinks and these tiles were gorgeous imported. And so it was really a fun project. And I was really excited and this was when I was doing independent design. And um, so I'd go out shopping for her and her husband would give me a roll of money like you see in the movies. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was like like with a rubber band around it. It was like a roll of cash. And he'd say, you know, get whatever she wants and then whatever's left over, you can just keep, which I never took advantage, but it would have been really easy. Um, but I, th- I knew that was odd. <laughs> I knew there was something wrong with that picture. And um, so it took about three months for this project as they do. Design projects take a lot longer than you realize because you're custom ordering furniture and again, taking time to get to know them and then you're waiting for things to come in. So in this time, I was shopping for accessories and rugs and that's when he'd give me the cash. And um, we got to go to a wedding at her house because her house was that beautiful. And it was filled with men who in the like June, July in Texas were wearing mock turtlenecks, if you can picture this, and their blazers, <laughs> probably to conceal weapons. I'm just guessing here, but they looked like every gangster movie you've ever seen with those little mock turtlenecks, the gold chains, and then the blazers. Um, and again, again, some red flags. My husband and I were there. Interesting people, right? Um, I also knew that his job because uh, I always try to find out how they make their money. I'm curious. His job was creating um, junkets from Texas to Vegas. So he would rent a private plane. He would sell tickets. He'd have the hotels lined up, whatever. He'd fly people from Texas. They'd get to go gamble for the weekend and he'd fly them back. And, and so I thought, well, that's a legitimate business. That seems okay. Um, <laughs> so we get to the end. The furniture had come in. I'd place the furniture. We had the window treatments installed. And um, I just had a l- few little things to do in the rugs. And um, they owed me eh, maybe $1,500. I'd have been up to $3,000. Not a lot, but it was the final payment. And I called and she said, yeah, change of plans. Apparently, the FBI had been casing the house, listening to all the phone calls. All of the phones had been bugged. <laughs> They, I think we're getting him, I don't know if it was racketeering, but it was definitely tax evasion. And she said everything got seized. He had been at a, a restaurant having breakfast and the FBI came in and arrested him right there. All of the bank accounts were frozen. They took the cars, they took everything. And she was left like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And well, you know, there's a bill outstanding. And she was, she was just so casual and like, <sighs> Chelsea get in line. Like, we have nothing now. You really think they're going to let me pay you for, you know, my interior designer? 
That was a lesson I had, but I've cut out, I, I saved the magazine or the newspaper clippings. It was actually in the newspaper. <laughs> so I have that in my scrapbook. It's a part of my little portfolio. I mean, it was fun. It was exciting. But I just kept thinking, like when we had that, we were at the wedding at their house, like, you know, and every phone call we had, it was all bugged and it was just kind of freaked me out. I don't know. That was a different, uh, that was exciting, but it all, all the puzzle pieces started to make sense now. Like, oh, that, that kind of, I'm, I'm seeing where maybe his money came from and why I got paid in cash all the time. <laughs> yeah. That was another one of those, um, stories for the books, right? Uh, another crazy time. And I, and I, I've done, I've told this story before, but, um, it was my first house call and I'd been working at a store. I really didn't have that much training. They pretty much just sent you out to face the world. And so I had this beat up little car, just graduated from college. And it was a little Mazda GLC with no paint and dented. And, but I wanted to look fancy. I wanted to look professional. And I didn't want them to know that I was a stupid, you know, college kid. So I parked way down the street. And at that place, we had these massive pieces of samples. They were on poles. So they were, you know, imagine a, a 54 inch wide piece of fabric, 36 inches long, but stapled to a pole that was essentially like maybe 60 inches long. So here I am walking up this hill, this woman's house, and I've got this stack of poles wrapped in fabric. I've got books, I've got my bag, and I'm, you know, hiking up the street. And I had called and let her know that I was on my way. So when I got there, she was out on the porch waiting for me to greet me, which was wonderful. And, you know, oh, we're doing the, you know, oh, so nice to see you. The house is beautiful. Oh, let's go inside. And the door was locked. <laughs> she had come out. The door locked behind her. And she didn't have her keys. She just got enough work. So we're kind of stuck on what to do. I'm trying to act cool. Like, oh, yeah, this kind of thing happens all the time. No problem. Our only solution was her sliding glass door was unlocked. Unfortunately, it's on a second story. <laughs> so we walked around the house, put all my stuff down. I still couldn't go back to my car. I mean, God forbid she saw my little beater. And I had to hoist her up like you do when you're a kid, you know, and you put your hands together so they can stand in your hand to lift up to her deck. And it was just, I mean, wobbling. She's trying to climb. She's in a skirt and pantyhose. I ended up putting my hand on her butt. So she's sitting on my butt. I'm hoisting her up. And she's trying to climb in. I mean, again, oh my gosh, if I'd had cameras, it was just nuts, right? So she finally climbs over a railing, gets into her house. But she was so happy and she worked at a salmon hatchery and I got married that summer. She was so thrilled. She donated 80 pounds of fresh salmon to my wedding. So we had a wonderful salmon dinner for my wedding, but they were great. Um, but yeah, who would guess, right? She had no idea. It was my first job, first house call. And here I am with this woman sitting on my hand. <laughs> Pantyhose. Um, yeah, that again was in Texas. Oh no, the Seattle. Yeah. I've designed all over the place. My gosh. Florida. Florida was fun. I did this, um, I did a condo on the water in Florida and she was amazing. This was someone, and I always tell you guys to get a client, donate something to a charity, donate to a live auction, donate a gift basket with your gift certificate and uh, make it look really impressive. And so the person who had bought the gift basket was so impressed, she told her friends at the country club. And so I get this job. Her name was Anne. She was great. And this is in Florida, um, Jacksonville, right on the water, like condo 
on the water. Absolutely gorgeous. You'd go to her, they call them Florida rooms there now. They're or there, they call them Florida rooms. Texas, they call them lanai's. Um, Hawaii, they call them lanai's. It just depends on where you live. But it's essentially a screened-in porch, um, you know, that's open air, but it's it just got screened. So she had that, and then you went outside, and there was the sand. And then there was a pier that went out over the ocean. It was just amazing. And we had just moved to Jacksonville, so I didn't have my whole business set up yet, and I didn't have my contractors yet, and I didn't have a drapery workroom and she wanted everything. She wanted, I mean, we opened up a wall, which I learned how to do. <laughs> um, I bought all new tools. I bought a chop saw and an air compressor because I wanted crown molding in her entire condo and I was going to do that. Um, I built like shelf ledges around her bedroom and I painted and cut them. I did everything, installed everything myself. Um, but the great thing was, Anne would spend all day going to the country club, going to the pool, and she'd take my kids with her because she had two little kids. So it was awesome. She'd go and play tennis and the kids were watched and they'd go to the, you know, swimming and go to the beach. And I just sat on that little lanai and I sewed an entire slipcover for a sectional sofa. That was a first. I faux painted every room in her house also because the first coat was not quite the color that I liked. And I said, oh, no, 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 that's the base coat. Um, it's going to have a glaze over top and, and some faux painting. So I ended up faux painting the entire place. Of course, I probably charged her like 100 bucks, but it was really to cover up my mistake. <laughs> Luckily, it looked great. Um, I went room after room with that condo and just did everything myself. We did new kitchen cabinets, which because it was a different floor, floor print, you know, a footprint than the originals. It left about a six-inch strip around the underside of the cabinets on the floor, and we didn't want to change out our tile. So I created a mosaic out of seashells and sea glass and broken up tile and filled in that gap and then chiseled out a couple little tiles in the middle of the room and did mosaics in there so it all matched. I made her a mirror covered in shells that I hot glued. <laughs> Oh gosh, what else did I do? It, I mean, I think I sewed her bedding, um, a full set of bedding. Yeah, painted everything. And then at the end, her father happens to own um, the Riviera Casino in Las Vegas, like owned the casino. And I remember asking, what did he do before he retired? He bought that in retirement. I thought, what did he do before he retired? He just ran the company that invented Ziploc and um, did the Ziploc like for craft cheese and things, you know, where products starting to use Ziploc. So I get, you know, like, oh, that's how you buy a casino in your retirement. But I got to go um, because she had such a great time with working with me there. We went down to St. Petersburg, Florida, and I got to work on her condo there and his vacation condo, which again, did everything myself, the painting, the hanging light fixtures, the everything. Um, that was really fun, right? We just sort of traded off. I don't even think I charged much design time. But the best part was I got to go to Vegas. And that was kind of an exchange with him for doing his design work. Um, so my mom and I got to fly out to Vegas and stay at the Riviera. There was the Frank Sinatra suite where Anne, my client, stayed that had its own housekeeper. Like, I didn't, I mean, you see it on movies where you see people have those big suites Oh, it was like that, like rooms. And um, of course, there's a big portrait of Frank Sinatra. 
on the wall. Um, so that was really exciting, right? We got to be the guest of Mr. Westerman, who has since passed. But um, but that was such an honor. Like, you know, we'd walk everywhere and people knew him and, and you know, we're just a little designer, you know, don't mind me. Well, ironically, I mean, this is, it was just timing. The day we flew home was 9-11. And Anne called our hotel room and, and said, you guys, I have to watch the news. Twin Towers just got hit. And so we're watching the news where we're packing to go to the airport. And she's from New York. Her her brother had a, a bill, or had his business in one of the Twin Towers. So we ended back at, you know, at her suite, obviously Frank Sinatra suite, um, hanging up, making all the phone calls, trying to get to my kids who were back home. Kevin was, um, gosh, he was patrolling the no-fly zone in Iraq, Iran, and Kuwait, and then had to be, you know, right away go to Afghanistan to go hunt for Osama bin Laden. Um, we were there for a week. I tried to go to the airport every day and wait. I bring my luggage, and we'd sit trying to get. An, there wasn't an airplane. Well, obviously because they closed all the airports, you couldn't rent a car, you couldn't take a bus, you couldn't take a train. Nothing was open. All the rental cars were gone. Because think about it. Vegas is just an entire city of tourists. We were all stuck there. And it was really surreal. Um, everyone was kind of depressed, right? I mean, 9-11, it just happened. And we couldn't get home to our loved ones. And Mr. Westerman was so busy with the hotel. I mean, at that point, he had to lay off 40% of his entire staff because all of the conferences for the next year got canceled. I mean, it was just it was just you know, 9-11 means even more to me because of all of that that went on. And it all just came from a, me trading services with one of my clients for, you know, now I felt bad. I didn't do more for them in their condo. <laughs> like, but, you know, those are those are just some of the things that'll happen. I mean, you're going to get to meet people that you never would have met before, lifestyles and personalities and You'll have your own stories. I can't wait to hear your stories. Tell me your stories. I want to hear the craziest um, design experience, the craziest thing you've ever been through, the craziest client or the ugliest project. Let me know. Post it. Uh, email me. And I'll start sharing them. Um, I've got some other stories that I'll save for later. But yeah, designing is great. It's it is a different level because you get so close and personal with people and they let you into their lives and you become part of the family. So you really get to know a lot about different different types of people. Thank you everyone for listening. Keep tuning in and happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.